you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. I was thinking about uh, this, that it just, I don't know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, And maybe you feel this way too, um, that it it seems like um, our... um, our world in kind of big ways and small ways is kind of more, you know, people say this all the time, like more divided than kind of ever. Does, it, does anybody feel like people are kind of at each other a little bit? No, we're all united and happy and, oh, I'm so glad. No, no, right. Sometimes it feels like we're more uh, divided than ever these days. You know, it doesn't seem matter what you think about something, you can guarantee that there's somebody that feels extremely passionately about whatever that thing is in the complete opposite way of you. And there's like no way that you'll ever find common ground. In a, in, have you ever had a conversation like that? Maybe not. Um, I think we're pretty divided these days. But as I was thinking about, I was trying to think of what we can agree on. You know, it used to be like, you know, back in the, in the olden days, right? In the olden days, that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> You know, they talk about the time, you know, we had, you know, three news networks that we all watched, we were all together, or everybody watched the moon landing at the same time, not that long ago, not that long ago. Um, You know, and we had these shared cultural moments, and now it seems like no matter what it is, we all disagree, but I thought of one thing that um, just about everybody uh, seems to be able to agree on, and and the thing that it seems like we can agree on is that things are, like, kind of messed up, (laughs) I think we might disagree with how uh, messed up things are in, in our world uh, or in our homes or in our communities. We might disagree with whose fault it is that things are messed up. But I think just about everybody can agree uh, that uh, things aren't, uh, aren't quite right. We may never agree on what we should do about it. We may never agree on what the problems are exactly. But everybody seems to be able to agree that on a, on a big scale... Uh, in our world, things are just kind of kind of messed up, right? Uh, there are people that go hungry, and there are people uh, that that don't, right? It's messed up. It's not right. There's uh, war and violence all over our world, and and even in in our homes and in our schools sometimes, and and it's messed up, right? I think we can all agree, uh, and we may not ever agree on whose fault it is or what we should do about it or how to move forward, but I think we can all agree that things uh, uh, far away are, are messed up. And, and I think we can agree that sometimes things uh, close up are, are messed up too. Um, you know, we, we all have people in our, uh, our former friends or people in our family that we, we just can't talk to, right? No matter how hard we try to carry on a conversation with them, uh, things just always devolve into a fight. Uh, maybe we have a messed up situation at, at work, right? And the people at our work just don't act in a good way, and it's hard for everybody. Maybe there are times um, you can think of where people ab- abused your trust, and it's, and it's messed up. It's wrong. It's, it's evil. I was telling... Um, Aaron about this. I don't see her in here, so I'm safe. Uh, no, I was telling Aaron about this, and I was like, you know, can you think of any examples? And the example that she gave me was um, she works with uh, toddlers, and she's like, the, the place that I see people um, 
feeling like things are messed up, right, is with, is with toddlers and how they react. She's like, a toddler can be sitting there playing with, you know, like five Legos and building this nice little thing, and there might be a Lego, like, way over there, and that toddler is fine until another little kid walks up and picks up that Lego way over there, and all of a sudden, they just lose it, right? And they're like, no, that was my Lego. I was playing with that, and it's messed up, and you can just see it in that toddler's mind, that the injustice of it all, that somebody would come and take my Lego that I was going to play with. Uh, sometimes it doesn't seem to matter where we go or, or where we look. We see problems and evil and trouble in the world. And sometimes uh, we're making something that's not such a big deal uh, feel like evil to us. And sometimes we're minimizing the evil that we see in the world. But I think most of us can agree that um, things just aren't, aren't quite Right, and, and sometimes we're, we're involved in it. Sometimes uh, it's, it's in our own relationship. Sometimes we're just trying to avoid it. Um, but no one can deny that it's there. And, and that's something uh, that has been true, obviously, since the very beginning of time. I think if you asked any human being in just about any time in history, um, if things were going perfectly, they'd probably say no, right? They'd say, oh, things are really messed up. Oh, this time is worse worse than, than that time. And, and when uh, Jesus grew up in the world that he grew up in, um, they had lots of these same problems too. A lot of their world was messed up. Uh, people were going hungry. They were abused by people who were stronger than, than them, by violent people. And, and they were all subjugated by the, like, the biggest bully um, of their day, which was the, the Roman Empire. And some people hoped uh, that that God would show up and, and sock that, that bully in the eye and, and defeat him, destroy him. And some, some of them tried to get along with the Roman Empire, that bully of their day. Some tried to hide from him. Some tried to, to join uh, that empire. But everybody knew there was something not quite right. And when Jesus came... And people called him uh, Messiah, which means anointed one. When people called uh, him Messiah, they were hoping that he would come and do something about evil. They were hoping that he would come and do something about that bully, about the Roman Empire, the evil empire that was seriously just wrecking everybody's lives. Um, and it bothered people because Jesus didn't respond to evil or evil people in the way that you would think he should because God had a different plan for the evil in the messed up world that Jesus walked into. And it drives everybody crazy because instead of, um, when Jesus came to the earth, he had all of this power, right? Uh, he was able to heal people and multiply food and do all these amazing things. And instead of um, fighting against the bullies of his world, instead of fighting the evil people, the, the Roman Empire, um, he resists evil itself, uh, Jesus comes to the earth to defeat sin and evil, and instead of uh, showing up and, and beating it down and standing against evil people, he decides to resist evil itself in a way that nobody ever had before. Uh, he resists evil using love. Um, Jesus teaches uh, in, in Scripture that the most important commandments in all of the Bible, um, all of Scripture flows out of, out of this, right? So when, when people ask Jesus, okay, what matters the most? What should we do um, to make sure we're doing the right thing? And Jesus says, all of Scripture hangs off this commandment. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, 
And this is one of the things that Jesus taught as he walked, he walked the earth. He encouraged people that if you're doing this, um, you're, you're probably on the right track. And it's important because they're, they're two parts of the same thing. Jesus wanted us to remember that it's impossible to love God if you're not loving your neighbor. Uh, he, he mashed these together as a reminder that it's, that it's impossible to love God if you're not thinking about your neighbor. And it's impossible to really love your neighbor well if you don't love God. Um, and so, so Jesus came and he said things like this. Um, and people were living in this world full of evil. And he said, and when you see all this evil, this is what I want you to do. I want you to love God and love your neighbor. And if you're wondering who Jesus meant by his neighbor. Somebody asked him that question. Um, if you're wondering who Jesus meant by love your neighbor as yourself, um, we're going to take a look at the kinds of people that Jesus loved as he walked the earth. Um, as he walked the earth, as you read the Gospels, you notice Jesus loves obvious people. He, he's, he loves his disciples. He loves his, his family member, his, his friends. Um, but he also spent his time on earth loving three of the hardest kinds of people to love. Um, if you read the Gospels, you'll find story after story and teaching after teaching. Jesus is talking about what it means to love nobodies, takers, and, and bullies. And, and what I mean by this, um, <clears throat> we'll, just, we'll just go through nobodies. Uh, in Jesus' day, um, they were the kinds of people that don't have anything to offer you. The kinds of people that we don't see. And so when Jesus walked the earth, he spent a whole lot of time with people that everybody else didn't see. Uh, and so in Jesus' day, um, the example is this. It's people like children. Uh, when the little children came to Jesus, uh, and the disciples were like, no, get away, you weird little kids. Like, leave Jesus alone. He's busy, right? Uh, Jesus said, no, let the children come to me. In Jesus' day, we didn't hold children up on pedestals like we, like we do today, and they were, they were nobodies. They didn't matter. They weren't meant to be seen or heard until they could contribute something to you. He loved the children. The other kinds of people Jesus loved were the poor and the sick and the weak. Uh, Jesus spent time caring for, healing, and feeding hopeless people, desperate people, sinful people. And, and all of those people that Jesus spent time with, those nobodies, uh, are people who can't ever hope to repay you. Uh, Jesus told the story. He said, if you throw a party, instead of inviting uh, your friends that'll invite you over to their house, instead, open your door up to the people that don't have anything to eat. He said, instead, open your door up to people who could never possibly give back to you. That is how you love God and love your neighbor. So Jesus loved nobodies. Uh, and seriously, and, and it seems like a, a mean way to say it, but people that, that society saw as nobodies. And if you read the Gospels, he spends almost all of his time with people that don't have anything to give him. Um, the other kinds of people that Jesus spent a lot of time talking about loving, uh, and I don't think we have as much of a problem with that first one. It gets a little harder, though. The other kind of person that Jesus spent a lot of time loving and teaching us to love are, are people that I'm calling, calling takers. So this is a step further. If a nobody doesn't have anything to offer you, a taker, um, they're the ones that are kind of always uh, getting something out of you. Uh, Jesus talked about people that owe you money. He said, forgive the people that owe you. 
He talked about people that might do wrong to you. He said, forgive the people that sin against you. He cared for the people that harmed him as he, as he hung on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And Jesus said this, and over and over again in the Gospels, he taught this. When it comes to people that sin against you, uh, people that step on your toes, that uh, can't be trusted to pay back their debts, he says, forgive them. He says, love the takers. And this, this is getting harder, right? As you hear this, you're like, I don't know, Jesus. Uh, and it gets even more difficult because the last group of people that, that Jesus spent an awful lot of time loving are a kind of people that we, especially in our culture, really and rightly have a problem with. Uh, Jesus spent time um, caring for bullies, for his enemies. Jesus, uh, the word he uses often is, is enemies. He calls us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But, but Jesus actually preached. He actually taught that as his people, as his followers on earth, we ought to love even the people that might want to harm us. Uh, you know, the, the classic story of this, right as Jesus is getting captured um, by the Roman soldiers and brought to the cross, um, one of his disciples sticks up for him and says, no, and he cuts the ear off of a soldier that's coming to capture Jesus. And Jesus says, no, and not only does he say no, he heals the ear of the bully that was going to take him to the cross. He said, love people that dislike you and hate you and persecute you. He said, love your enemies and pray for your persecutors. So as you read the Gospels, you find Jesus goes out of his way to love bullies and takers and nobodies. And you might be thinking, like I have often thought, like this doesn't seem like a very safe way to live your life. <laughs> and, and you're kind of right. We know how it ends up, right? The bullies of Jesus' day, the Roman soldiers, they worked alongside of some of the people closest to Jesus to capture and kill him. Uh, he loved bullies and takers and nobodies all the way to the cross, and as they were getting ready to hang uh, Jesus up on the cross, his disciples, the people that loved him best, uh, his loved ones, the people that he healed and forgave and taught, almost all of them leave him in that last moment. And, and part of you is saying, you're left saying, yep, you know, that's what happens when you love nobodies and takers and bullies. If you're throwing feasts for people that can't repay you, are they going to help you when you need help? Uh, probably, probably not. And if you've ever read the Gospels and you get to this moment as Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's, and he's dying alone because he lived that way. And if you were to stop reading right then, you would be right to say, well, that seems like a really ridiculous way to live, Right? You'd be right to say, you know what? It didn't work so great for Jesus. I don't think it's going to work so great for me. But if you know the story, you know that after he hung on the tree and they took him down and they laid him in a tomb, three days later, uh, we believe that he rose from the dead. We believe that he rose from the dead. And it's not just this nice way to undo the sad thing that happened to Jesus, but it's a sign that Jesus' way, that his power was real, and that his way was right. Uh, when he rose from the dead, it, it tells us that he paid for that evil, that sin, that penalty, that damage that had been done in our relationship to God. 
On the cross, he defeated sin, that evil part of us that, that leads us to ignore and abuse nobody, that leads us to, if we're honest, sometimes be takers, and that part of us that leads us to, if we're honest, to sometimes be bullies to people. He defeated that on the cross. And finally, as he walked out of the tomb, death is defeated too. And it's a reminder that even if the forces of the evil and together and marshal everything against you, even death won't stop you. Uh, Because as he rose from the dead, it reminds us that the worst thing that can happen to us has been defeated. And so as he rose from the dead, he he then spent some time with his disciples, um, uh, teaching them for a few days. He walked around, and then it ends, the story of Matthew ends with, with these words. Um, So Jesus gathers, he's risen from the dead, and they're saying, this is amazing, right? Uh, And he stands in front of them, and he says this in Matthew 28, uh, verse 18. It says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Uh, So this is the last thing that Jesus said. He's he's lived his life. He's been killed. He's he's risen again. And right after this, Jesus ascends into heaven. And you don't see him on earth ever again. This is the last thing he says to his disciples. And his command is this. He says, go and make disciples. Disciples. Uh, now, if you've, if you've ever read this before, you know, it's easy to get overwhelmed by all these different things. You know, does Jesus want us to, you know, it says in baptizing, well, how should we baptize them? And, and what does that look like? And what's that supposed to mean? And, and what does it mean to teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded? Or even, even what does it mean, right, to be a, to be a disciple? Um, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Um, but what Jesus said is actually really simple. What he's asking them for is really simple, and they would have understood right away what he wanted them to do. Uh, he wants them, right, to, we'll just to sum it up a little bit. Yep, make disciples that do what I've commanded you to do. Now, if you're not familiar with the word disciple, a disciple is, is like a bible word to talk about an apprentice, right? Usually we think of disciples maybe as like a student, and you think, okay, we're supposed to have have Bible studies or something, but no, a disciple is, is like an apprentice, you know, and so if you, if you know, an apprenticeship works um, by pairing somebody who doesn't know anything about a job or a task with, with a master, with someone who knows what they're doing, and so if you want to become a, parp- a carpenter, right, you apprentice behind a carpenter, and if you're a carpenter's apprentice, you know, you show up to work with them, uh, you probably read some books, I, I imagine. Uh, you watch what they do at work. You see how they do their craft. You listen to what they tell you. And more and more, as you apprentice under this carpenter, as you build things with them, as you try to build things, and they correct you and say, no, not quite like that. It's, there's a better way to do it. Um, <clears throat> gradually, as you're watching this person do their job, as you're listening to what they have to say, as you're trying it out for yourself, um, you get a little bit better at being a carpenter, right? The more you see it done, the better you can do it yourself. And, and one day, if you're, you're following a carpenter, you know, after a long period of time, an apprentice um, becomes good enough to do the job of the master by themselves, right? Eventually, you, you kind of graduate. You've learned all that you need to learn from following this person, and you can start making your own mistakes and, and continuing on. 
Right? So the idea works like this. If you're a carpenter's apprentice, your job is to become a carpenter, right? If you are a plumber's apprentice, what are you trying to become? That's a tough one. A plumber, yeah. <laughs> if you're an electrician's apprentice, what do you want to become? An electrician. If you're a welder's apprentice, what do you want to become? A welder, yeah. A disciple is, is just like this, uh, is exactly like this, except you'd spend even more time with, with your teacher. A disciple does this. They watch what their teacher does. They listen to what their teacher says, and they do what they do. So if you're a disciple to uh, somebody named John, uh, you want to become like John. If you're a disciple to uh, Linda, you want to become like Linda. Yeah, exactly. If you're a disciple to Jesus, and you watch what your teacher does, and you listen to what they say, and you do what they do, right? One day, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you find that you become more like Jesus. Right. Exactly. And so the question for us becomes, what does Jesus do? Now, the last two weeks, we've talked about uh, what Jesus does for us. How uh, no matter what we're carrying and all those things we're chasing, we can't possibly do anything to earn God's love. And that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can be accepted by God and be his disciple, right? We've talked about who we are. Uh, the question today is, is what does Jesus do? If we're supposed to watch him and listen to him and do what he did, what does, what does, he, what does he do? He loves nobodies and takers and bullies, and he does it with uh, supernatural love. And so if that's what our master does, that's what we're called to do as people being transformed by Christ, as people who God's Holy Spirit is at work in us, as people who can count that this life is not the end. Our job to follow our master is to do the things that he did. And so if we want to be more like Jesus, if we want to be disciples, um, it's really, uh, part of it's really that simple. We come to him, allow him to work in us, and then, and then try out the life that, that he lived. If we want to follow Jesus, the first step is to come to him, uh, to repent of our sin, right? To repent of the times that we ignored people that we thought were nobodies. The times that we uh, let bad things happen to people that we thought didn't matter, the times that we uh, let our own selfishness stand in the way of the needs of somebody that we didn't think was all that important. We have to repent of the times that we acted like takers, the times that no matter how much somebody gave us over and over again, we still turned around to get a little bit more out of them. And we repent of the times that we acted like bullies, that we hurt other people who didn't deserve to be hurt. That we put ourselves in front of other people. We repent of our sin. That's, that's what repenting of sin means. The next thing we do is we accept uh, Christ's gift of grace. That the God that loved nobodies and takers and bullies just like us uh, came and died so that we might be transformed into people like him. We accept his grace and we allow him to work in us and be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the way that we do that, the context that we... Um, we do this together. We come together in the church. We support each other. And we actually try it out. We actually try out loving people that are really hard to love. We start following him. We start doing the things that he did. And, and this might seem uh, simplistic. Um, and, it, and it's meant to be a little simplistic. Uh, 
Uh, because I know it's hard, and I know it's complicated, and we can all think of 25 examples where it probably isn't such a good idea to care for, especially a bully or a taker. And for sure, right? Uh, just because you're showing love to somebody, just because you're forgiving them, doesn't mean you have to be their best friend. Doesn't mean that you have to stand there and let them hurt you. You know, the, the, the specifics are, are different in every situation, but the steps in the right direction are the same. We're called to act like Jesus and love people that nobody sees or cares about. To love even and forgive even the people that do us wrong and to care for and pray for even our enemies. And so my, my challenge to myself, and I invite you to, to join in this, uh, is, is simple. Pray for uh, somebody that you're tempted to ignore this week. And maybe you have somebody in your mind that it seems like they're always coming to you and it sort of, you know, you see them walk up to you and it like annoys you a little bit because you're like, ah, this person again, they want something from me, you know. Whoever that person is, uh, I suggest you don't write down a list with their names next to it. Um, But think about somebody that you don't see and ask God, you know, pray for a person like that. Somebody that you usually ignore. Somebody that you usually don't let enter into your mind. Somebody that has absolutely nothing to offer you. Pray for one person like that. Pray for one person that owes you. One person that you've done something for and they just don't appreciate it. Not just your kids. <laughs> See, I'm still the kid, so. Pray for one person that you feel like owes you something or that did something wrong to you that you just can't let go. And finally, um, whoever it is that you think of as, as this bully in your life, maybe it's somebody you don't even know you're afraid of. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe you have a really hard time thinking of somebody that's your enemy, but pray for them too. And as you're praying for them, uh, ask God um, how you can love them, how you can serve them, how you can care for them. Because when you do, you'll find that God can actually work in those moments. You'll find that God is so powerful and so big and his love is so strong uh, that the trouble in those situations might actually be improved and changed and defeated. You'll find that God makes it possible that he holds on to you and is your strength and your peace. You'll find God at work transforming the people that you encounter and the places that you go. Will everyone that you forgive all of a sudden turn their life around and stop being a taker anymore? No, (laughs) no. Will everyone you serve say thank you and write you a nice note? No. Will you get taken advantage of? Yeah, sometimes you will. Will you get rejected? Yeah, sometimes you will. But, But like Jesus promised, he will be with you. He'll hold on to your life and your future now and forever. You'll find that evil has far less power over you. You'll find that offenses committed against you are smaller because you have a different perspective on them. You'll find that the hearts of people you care about might change and relationships might heal and communities might be transformed, not through force, but through the amazing love of God played out everywhere you go. You know how we, uh, oh, there we go. The reason we know this is true, the reason we believe this is true, the reason we believe that God's love is more powerful than even the worst in people is because God loved us when we were bullies and takers and nobodies. 
He loved us when we were bullies and takers and nobodies because guess what? If my heart can be changed, if I can be saved, if you can be saved, that means that hearts can be transformed. It means that anything broken can be healed. We know it's possible because while we were still sinners, while we were God's enemies, he sent his own son to die for us. We know it's possible because we have been changed by God. And if I've changed, then anyone can. And that is how God defeated evil. And one day he'll come back and finish the work that he started. Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we conclude our service today, bring before our minds during this closing song the person uh, that you want to bring before our minds. Help us to see the people we don't always see. Help us to forgive the people that we need to forgive. Help us to show your love even to the people that are our enemies. And Lord, it doesn't mean that we've got to be in situations where we're getting abused by them or or hurt by them, Lord. But help us to, to forgive and show your love in ways that maybe nobody would ever expect. Lord, because you died and rose again so that we might be transformed, so that we can count on the worst thing that anyone that could ever do to us, that we might lose our lives, Lord. You died and rose again so that we could trust that you hold on to our very lives. We thank you, God, for what you've done and what you're doing, and we pray, Lord, that you call us along the road after you that you change our hearts, that when we come together, we support each other in the work that you're doing. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.